book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. We are going to complete this chapter this morning as uh, we're moving quite along through our journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke, chapter number 8. We're going to be reading verses 40 through 46. We'll read verse 46 all together. Thank you, Mrs. Grace, for doing what we're supposed to do. Let's see who's going to catch on. Uh, amen. There we go, standing for the reading of God's Word. Amen. Luke chapter number 8. We're going to read these verses here this morning, then we will pray. Luke chapter 8. I'll start reading in verse number 40. Read with me in verse 46. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman, having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? Verse 46 altogether. And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. God in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to preach your word here this morning. Thank you for those folks that are here. Thank you for the visitors. You're you're just blessing us, Lord. It's just so wonderful to sit back and just be a part of what you're doing to build your church. Now, Father, in this moment, in these a few minutes that we have together, would you uh, help us as we learn from thy word? I pray, God, we'd be sensitive to the teaching of God's word. I pray, God, that we'd be uh, swift uh, to hear these words and then quickly to obey them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. Please be seated. So, if we remember last week, we were journeying with Jesus as he had um, finished uh, healing this, this man, this demonic man who had over 6,000 demons within him. And he cast those thousands of demons into the swine, and the swine uh, ran off the cliff there, and they were choked in the water. And so they didn't want him there after that. They told him to leave their coast. And so Jesus departed but not before he told that man that he had healed. He gave him a mission to go and reach his city, go reach his family uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did so. And now Jesus is at Capernaum. He's continuing his ministry of seeing lives changed. So today we're going to look at two healings, two healings by the Lord Jesus Christ that take place here. So as we previously learned in our study of Luke, uh, Luke is writing as an eye, not as an eyewitness, but as an observer, as a historian. He is going to the people that were there, and he is gathering the information, and he's recording that information by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he, he wasn't there, amen? He's an historian, but he brings so much insight into what is going on here. Now, as Jesus is 
popularity uh, grows, we find that everywhere he goes, there's a big stir. Have you noticed that? When he goes, people are following him, and, and they're all around him. They're thronging him, and really, he can't almost even walk anymore. And so they want to see him. They want to see the healings, amen. They want to hear the teaching of Jesus. And so they're just there for that purpose. So we're going to learn today in our text that Jesus, he responds to all walks of life. He responds to this woman who has an issue of blood and she is an outcast in society. And then he responds to this man who is in charge of the synagogue. Two totally different folks here. Someone who is accepted in society and another who is not accepted in society. But to Jesus, they're all just people, amen, that need a savior. That's how he sees people. And both of these folks are going to be blessed as they act in faith. Both of them, they'll be blessed as they act in faith. I want you to notice here in verse uh, number 41, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and, and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only, a one only daughter, about 12 years old, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. So G, uh, Jairus seeks out the Lord, and immediately he implores Jesus to heal his 12-year-old daughter who was on her deathbed. Jairus, of course, here says he's the ruler of a local synagogue. They find it interesting that most synagogue rulers, they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. But for some reason, Jairus had heard about Jesus, and he accepted him for who he was and, and sought him out for his uh, healing power. Jairus realized there was nothing in his power and in his religious belief system that could help his dying young daughter. There's nothing I believe can help her, but I've heard of one. I have heard of the Christ, and I believe he can help my daughter. I want you to notice the humility of Jairus here. He had to humble himself to come to Jesus. Because nothing in his power could help. This could be difficult for men, humility. It could be difficult for us as men to, to say, I need help. Can you help me with my marriage, Jesus? Jesus, can you help me with raising my children? Uh, Jesus, things are not going well in my home. Can you help me with those things? No, sometimes we will wait till things are falling apart, men before we ask for help. We'll wait for our marriage to fall apart before we seek help because we're so private and we're so secretive. But you and I can be powerless like Jairus is and, and, and not have anywhere to turn. Men, let me encourage you to uh, seek out someone who can help you. Don't be so prideful that uh, we don't humble ourselves enough to go to another brother in Christ or go to the pastor or seek the Lord or whatever the case may be uh, to get help before things really get bad. <laughs> don't be afraid of that. I'm speaking to the guys this morning because I'm one. Amen. I won. Amen. I am one of them. And I know how we can just not want to uh, seek that help out. Don't let things fall apart in your life before you seek the Lord. Humble yourselves like Jairus did. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Give your burdens to one another. 
and say, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling with this addiction, or I'm struggling with this problem in my life, or I'm struggling with raising my children. Can you give me some advice? Can you give me some help? Uh, it seems that maybe things are a little bit better in your life in this area. Can, can, can you help me? I'm struggling. Ask God to help you. Ask other people to help you. Notice the last part of verse 41. It says, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. That's some humility, isn't it? He got rid of his pride. He dismissed it. He humbled himself and took a position of extreme humility by falling at the knees of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to, to fall on your knees in front of someone. I mean, that really takes humility. It really does. Extreme humility. I mean, when's the last time that, that, that we got on our knees? And I know some of us are not capable of doing so because of ailments in our body, but I'm telling you something. There's something about getting on your knees and, and begging the Lord to help or seeking the Lord. It's a sign of humility. God sees that, amen? I'm often surprised we don't see people kneeling at the altar more. We've got to humble ourselves. And seek the Lord and pray and, and get on our knees. Amen. It's a, it's, it's a posture of, of prayer. It's a posture of obedience. It's a posture of humility. And God wants us there on our knees. I want you to look at Psalm 95 if you can. Psalm 95. Keep your place in Luke. I want to show you a couple of examples about this thing of kneeling for prayer. Psalm 95. Thank you for bringing your Bibles to church and the beautiful sound of the pages of the Bible turning. Amen. Psalm 95, verse number 6. O come, let us worship. Notice. And bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Why don't we get a little bit of practice here? Amen. Because when you're in heaven, I guarantee you're going to be on your knees and, and worshiping the Lord. So if you can, why don't you get some practice of, of kneeling in humility? Ephesians chapter three, verse 14 says, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Kings chapter eight, verse 54 says, and it was so that when Solomon had made an end of praying all the prayer and supplication unto the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees and his hands spread up to heaven. Oh, it's a sign of humility, a sign of submission, a sign of worship, a sign of reverence. I love this quote. It says, humility does not mean thinking less of yourself than other people. Nor does it mean having a little opinion of your own gifts. It means freedom from thinking about yourself one way or the other at all. It's freedom. You know, God loves humble people. He just loves them. And he blesses those who, 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 has, this, who has humility in their life. God wants humble Christians. James 4, 6 says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. That's where you want to be, amen? You want grace? How many want grace, amen? <laughs> Who wants God's favor on their life? 
Go humble yourself and you'll get it. So Jairus was pleading with Jesus to make a visit to his home and provide some healing. Oh, Jesus, please. My daughter's going to die. Would you come and heal her? So Jesus is actually headed that way, but, but he stopped. There's a traffic jam, a, a modern day of that day traffic jam, a bunch of people all surrounding Jesus, and he couldn't get there. They were just thronging him, couldn't even walk. You ever been carried away with a crowd? You've been in a crowd, maybe a Dodger Stadium or something. It's like, man, they're like carrying me through this thing. I'm not even walking, really. I'm just kind of getting pushed along. And and it seems that this is sort of that circumstance. There's just so many people. So due to the crowds, Jesus is delayed. And notice verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which has spent her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched or stopped. So for 12 years, this woman was dealing with this blood issue, which was most likely a uterine hemorrhage. That's what people believe it was. She was in a tough position. But we're going to look at the faith of this woman She cannot get help of anyone, not a doctor, not a soothsayer, not a palm reader. (laughs) Nobody could help her with this issue. She spent her whole living just trying to find someone to help her with this issue. Now, according to Jewish custom, it was believed that a, a woman was suffering from this condition due to immorality. So on top of her issue, she's dealing with being ostracized from society. Her husband would have left her, and she would have been kicked out of the local synagogue, all because they believed that she had committed immorality. According to the Levitical law, it would be unclean to even touch her. We talked about loneliness here this, uh, in Sunday school. I can imagine she was a very lonely woman. I mean, you got kicked out of church. Your husband most likely left you, and, and uh, no one can touch you because you're unclean. You don't have the, uh, the comfort of a human touch. We all need a hug every once in a while, amen? <laughs> we all need a handshake. She couldn't have that. She couldn't have any fellowship in her local synagogue. She was shut out of life. So just as the sick woman was lonely, we find that many people in our world today are, are lonely and only want someone to care about them. And that is part of our mission here this year in 2024 in making, having compassion and making a difference. Maybe we can step up to, to help some people that are lonely in our realm of influence. There's somebody there we can help and have compassion towards and, and maybe bring them a meal or, or send them a card or give them a, a few bucks or, or talk to them for a little bit and encourage them or, or do something. Having compassion, making a difference. Loneliness is real. I read the story about someone who placed an ad in the Kansas newspaper. It read, I, I will listen to you talk for 30 minutes without comment for $5. Sounds like a hoax, doesn't it? But the person was serious. Well, did anyone call? Well, absolutely people called. It wasn't long before this individual was receiving 10 to 20 calls a day. 
of lonely people that just wanted to talk, and they were willing to pay for it. See, the pain of loneliness is real. And some are, are willing to try anything for a little bit of compassion, a little bit of companionship. Notice the last part of verse 43. The Bible tells us here, she spent her living upon physicians, and neither could be healed of any. Nothing helped her. She, she, she probably spent her entire savings on trying to find a cure. But ultimately, the, 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 the situation developed where she saw Jesus. And she said, if I could just touch his garment. <laughs> I, I've heard about Jesus. I've heard the stories. And maybe she'd even heard him preach before. But by, she could never get close enough. She said, if I could just get close, if I could just maybe just touch his clothing, I will be healed. That's some faith right there, amen? If I could just get a hold of his, his garment, his robe there, I know that will heal me. Wow, the faith of this woman. I want you to understand it wasn't the garment that brought healing to her. It wasn't touching Jesus. It was her faith that caused the healing. Believing that he could heal her, what a faith that this woman possessed. You see, she expected to receive healing, and it came. She seized the opportunity to be healed. By the way, that's the name of the message. Seize the opportunity. She seized on the opportunity to be healed. It presented herself, and she said, my goodness, Jesus is here. I'm going to take advantage of that thing. Do you expect to receive something from God in every service, Christian? Or do you come to check a box? Or do you come and, and expecting that, God, I, I want my life to be changed. I want to receive something when I come to church. Speak to my heart. Or do we just do it out of obligation? I'm supposed to be there. I am supposed to usher today. I'm supposed to do this today. Or do we say, God, speak to my heart. And, and when you come, I, I advise you to do that. Before you even get out of your car, maybe before you leave the house, grab a hold of that steering wheel nice and tight and pray, God, speak to my heart today. I want something. I don't know what is going to be preached today. I don't know what's going to be taught today. But I want to hear from you. Do you think God's going to bless you? I think he will, amen, if you pray that prayer. And you're going to not be checking the box. You'll be attentive listening whatever it might be at the end of the message you get something or, or the beginning of the message or the whole message speaks to you so pray and ask God to speak to you so it was the faith that saved this lady it was her faith and by the way when we anoint people with oil and uh, they have an ailment and they come to the elders of the church and ask for a healing and and uh, to laying of, of hands on them and anointing them with oil understand it's not that oil that's really healing them it's the faith of that person and it's the faith of the people that are praying for her or him that person that's the faith it's faith it's not the oil oh the magical oil it's not what it is okay that's just an instrument so it's all about faith Notice Jesus' reaction to this woman's faith in verse 45. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with them said, Master, the, 
the multitude throng thee and, and press thee and, and sayest thou who touches me? Notice verse 46. And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. So Jesus attempted to expose who had touched him. And everyone denied it. Like, everyone, me, me, no, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Everyone was like, I, I, I didn't touch the guy. But he asked that question to teach them a lesson. That's what he was doing. It's not because he didn't know the answer. He's God. Amen. He knows the answer. He knows who touched him. Notice Peter's response. He didn't even understand what Jesus was talking about. He's like, you've got all kinds of people all around you. They're, they're all over you here. They're, they're thronging you. How are you going to ask us a question like that? There's no way to know. Everybody's touching you. Jesus. Jesus said that virtue had gone out of him. Virtue means strength. It means power. It means ability. His ability to heal left him. It's kind of an amazing thing when you think of it. And Jesus knew it. Well, because there's people touching, but there was a special touch. Uh, that, that allowed virtue, his power, to, to come out of him. This was not superstitious or magical power, but it was the power of God, amen? It's the power of God, the healing power of God. And notice verse 47. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for, for what cause she had touched him. And how she was healed immediately. Now this woman did not want it to be known initially that it was her who, who touched the garment of Jesus. Because why? She was considered to be unclean. And for her to be touching a rabbi, that was a double no-no. You do not touch uh, the, the, the rabbi. You don't touch the man of God. You are unclean. She was quaking with fear. Once again, she bowed down as a, a sign of respect to Jesus, asking for mercy. She was most likely ashamed in some way because she was considered to be unclean. So she testified to what Jesus did for her. Uh, you know, um, I, I came here today expecting to be healed, and, and, and I just, I did. I touched the garment of his, his garment there, and guess what? My bleeding stopped, amen? She knew it. It's gone. That bleeding's gone now. She testified to God's goodness and what he did for her. Notice verse 48. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. It was her faith, amen? He said, go in peace. So her faith saved her physically and she was saved spiritually as well. So Jesus provided the following to her here. I want you to notice what he provided for her. Not only did he heal her in that physical way, but she was now a daughter of God. He said, you're, you're my daughter now. You're a child of God. He provided her comfort from her shame. He provided wholeness to her. He gave her a new life. And he provided peace to her. That's what the verse 48 tells us. Uh, he gave her peace. And do you know that faith often precedes peace? When we have faith, God gives us peace. It always goes that way. Exercise faith, he'll give you peace. Exercise faith, uh, he, you're my savior. He's going to give you the peace of eternal life. And he's going to give you peace throughout this life as well. This is what he gives to us when we accept him, peace. 
While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. We totally forgot about old Jairus, didn't we? Got all excited about the lady with the issue of blood, but remember Jesus was headed that way, going to go uh, heal this young girl. And unfortunately, she passes away. Jesus was delayed, but let me tell you, it's going to be okay. Amen? <laughs> it's going to be all right. The delay caused by healing the woman's hemorrhage appears to have been costly. As Jesus finished addressing the woman, a, a man appears from that synagogue leader's home and saying that, hey, this young lady's died. Don't even worry about coming now. But understand this. Her death is going to allow uh, us to see the power of God, and they would see the power of God that rested on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they're going to be able to see that. Look at verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Notice 51. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. So this prerequisite to healing is, is having confidence. It's, it's not having the fear. Jesus calls on Jairus to have faith and believe. Uh, certainly Jairus was crying in that moment, uh, knowing that his 12-year-old his daughter had, had died. And you can imagine the tears and, and the mourning that was going on in that house. But Jesus spoke words of hope to him. He tells Jairus not to fear, not to be anxious that his daughter had died. He's calling him to have faith in God's power to bring back this child from death. And all wept, verse 52, and bewailed her. But he said, weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. They were like, ha ha, Jesus. Don't you know a dead person when you see one? She's not sleeping. She died. What's wrong with you? They laughed him to scorn. I mean, they, they had a belly laugh on this thing. They didn't understand what he was saying. Jesus was telling them her death would be just very brief. Amen? Because <laughs> she's going to live again. It's going to be a brief death. She will live again. Look at this miracle that takes place. And he put them all out and took her by the hand. And called, saying, Maid, arise. Woo! So he puts them all out. He puts all those mockers out. You know, sometimes we got to put the mockers out. Amen? <laughs> you got to put them out. You got to get rid of those mockers who are preventing you from taking the next step in your Christian life. Those people want to laugh you to scorn. You're going to have to show them the door, maybe. I don't know who it might be, somebody close to you, but you're going to figure out how to deal with that. Yes. But you're going to have to silence it, or you're going to have to tell them to be quiet, or you're going to have to distance yourself. They're stopping you uh, from moving to the next step in your Christian life. You're going to have to silence that mocker. Is there anybody in your life who is holding you back? Put them out. Ignore the mockers. All that wanted to laugh in that moment would not get to witness the miracle of the moment because they wanted to laugh. You can go out. Amen. Get out. I just love seeing Jesus do that. Leave. Go. You're not going to be a part of this moment. This is going to be for me and my close followers and the parents. 
verse 55. And her spirit came again. And she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. The raising is a sign of God's power to resurrect, and, and it makes the point that, that death is only temporary for the believer. It's not the end of the existence for us as humans. The truth is also seen when Christ raised Lazarus from the dead. The spirit will survive death. Amen? The spirit survives death. He was speaking to her spirit, telling her spirit to come back. The spirit lives again. Now, if you're here today and you don't know where your spirit is going to go when you leave this life, we implore you here today to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior so your spirit can live again. And you could be with Jesus in heaven. We say, well, how do I do that? Well, you got to recognize that you're a sinner, that you do wrong. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Recognize there's a penalty for your sin, and uh, for the wages of sin is death. That separates us from spiritual death. We get separated spiritually. We, we, we are no longer in fellowship with God. Our, our spirit will go to a place called hell. And so we must recognize that, and you just simply ask God, you know, I recognize I'm a sinner. I'm on my way to hell. Lord, can you take me to heaven when I die? I believe that you died on that cross for me. I believe that you shed your blood for me, and please take me to heaven. That's how we do it, amen. Pray. You could pray it right now while I'm talking, amen. You could pray it when we have an invitation. But please don't leave here today if you have not trusted in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to save you. John 5.24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. That's the promises that we have in Scripture. If you're happy about that, say amen. amen. And he commanded to give her meat. He just asked that she be given something to eat. Such a Detail makes it clear that this was not a hallucination. This was not a vision. Watch her eat. Amen. She's just, this is not, I'm just hocus pocus stuff. She needs food to live. And so I want you to see her eat. And so Jesus had to show them a little bit of that. Let me ask you this. Do you have an appetite this morning? Do you have an appetite for spiritual things here this morning? Oh, we need to have that. Amen. In order to grow, we need to have an appetite for spiritual things. Deuteronomy chapter number 8, verse 3 says that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. That's what we need to be living on. We need that spiritual, spiritual meat. Amen. That's going to help us to grow. Thankful that you're here today and you want to be spiritually fed this morning. Notice verse 56, and her parents were, what's this word? Astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. They were in awe. Like, oh, my goodness. Jesus, how, how is this possible? She, she's been dead, and now she lives again. They were astonished. Often Christ would charge people not to tell anyone certain things. It'd be hard to keep that to yourself, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> It'd be hard to be like, oh, man, I couldn't tell you. You probably would just let it slip out. Because Jesus did something wonderful. My baby, she's still here. 
So today we, we really find two great stories of healing. And we find two uh, great stories of faith, how to have faith. And so we have the story of the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. And then we have the young lady who was 12 years old that, that died. In 2024, are you going to seize upon the opportunities that God will present for you to grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to grow your faith? Are you going to seize upon those opportunities? I pray that you will. To increase in your faith, to, to believe Jesus could transform your life. Is this going to be the year where your faith just takes off, amen, and uh, you see great things uh, through uh, your life, through our church? Or, are we going to grow this year and do more for Jesus this year? Oh, I hope so. I hope this will be the year. Well, if I don't come to only Sunday morning, maybe I'll start coming to Sunday school, or, or maybe I'll start throwing in a Thursday night, or, or maybe I'll start coming out soul winning, or maybe I'll take the discipleship program this year, or, or maybe I'm going to lead somebody to the Lord this year. Amen? Maybe I'm going to sing my hymns a little bit louder this year. That was a joke. <laughs> We're going to do more for the Lord this year. Amen? 2024. Let this be the year my faith takes off. Can you seize on the opportunity to expect to receive something from Christ? Maybe that's what it's going to be. Maybe that's what your takeaway is. Man, I'm going to seize on the opportunity to pray before service and expect to receive something from God. God, I'm not. Maybe in your Bible reading, you could just say, I, I want to get something out of my Bible reading. I'm not getting anything out of my Bible reading this year. Maybe you just need to plead with God, I want something. I'm not leaving. I'm going to be late to work until I get something out of my word today. I need something. I'm just not going to be a robot reading the scriptures, checking off a box. I want something. God, give me something out of the word today. I'm going to wrestle with you. I'm not going to leave until you give me something. Maybe we can commit to that this year. Whatever it is, seize on the opportunities that present themselves this year. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Pray, Father, that you would help us as a people, as a church, to seize on the opportunity to live by faith, to do more for you this year, to live for you more this year. Lord, I, I want to do more. You convict my heart when I preach these messages. I want to do more. I, I want to live by faith more. I want to do more for you. Help me to do that. I pray, God, you'd help us as we have this uh, time of invitation. I pray, God, you'd work amongst the people. Help us to kneel before you and to uh, uh, confess those sins, get right with you, and take our Christianity to the next level. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.